to Waxwork.com. My name is Jordan D. White, and this is Welcome to the Waxwork, the official podcast of Waxwork.com, where we officially podcast from Waxwork.com, apparently. I mean, you know. And it's stuff, stuff that is up on Waxwork. I mean, it's just, it's got very Waxwork.com-y things, and it's called Welcome to the Waxwork. No, it's not. It's called Casting Wax, isn't it? Dang. Welcome to the Waxwork was my old radio show. Flashback! Sorry. Um, okay. Well, you know how I always say we've got a jam-packed show tonight? Well, this time we really do have a jam-packed show, like so much so that I'm actually worried that we're going to go over time, which I, I really don't like to do. So, what I'm going to do is, uh, in order to expedite things. Why is it so jam-packed? Let me, let me go into that first, actually. We've got three shows and two new bonus things, of course. One, first up, we've got an episode of Epic Echoes, which is the uh, season premiere, quote-unquote, of the second season, because, you see, it's backwards, you know, that's the thing. Uh, it's one I wrote, so I, I think it's great, of course. And then we've got an episode of Tractor Fiction, which uh, is another really fun one. It's one that um, was recorded in the studio, and it has a little bit better sound quality than the last one, I think, so you'll all enjoy that. And then finally, we have uh, the final episode of Like Mother, and you're probably like, well, we're only, like, so far into the podcast. Why is the final episode? Well, because it continues with a different title after that. Final episode of Like Mother, also written by me, involving some crazy flashbacks and some uh, surprises, I hope. So hopefully everybody will dig all of those. In addition, we've got This Day in History and Where Are They Now in History from Rory Sinjin, and we've got a really very funny and kind of on the long side, uh, scapey story from A Cat in the Dark. Uh, so in order to expedite things, what I'm going to do is there's three of us here, myself, Jordan Dewey, as I said, Mr. Rory Sinjin. R- Rory, say hi. Hello, yes. Uh, I'm finally getting it a word in edgewise. Yes. yes, finally, but we'll see what happens. And then, of course, Mr. Scape White, who is my cat. Hello. That's me. Now, what I'm going to do to save time is only two of us can speak during each um, introduction segment because that way, you know, th- there's less distractions and less, you know, going off on tangents. So each time, one of us is going to be out. For example, this time, one, two, three, not it. Not it. What? Oh, sorry, Scaby. I guess you're out this time. What? Why? What, what does that mean? Well, I say one, two, three, and then we all say not it. And the last person to say not it is is it. And the person who's it is out. What do you mean out? I mean, you can't talk. You're not supposed to talk anymore. Okay, so this for this introduction, we're done doing the not it game. So it's me and Rory are going to have the conversation, and then you can come in later if you remember to say not it. Well, I'm good. Huh? Well, but it's not right now, though. So, so Rory, what's been new with you? Have you got any exciting news? Anything interesting going on? Uh, well, no, not, not personally. I mean, I, I'm going about my business. I'm doing my extra 
historical readings, of course. And if you'd like to get a reading from me, you can contact me through castingwax at gmail.com through the, through the podcast email, and I can, you know, become an extra historical reader for you, hopefully, if you can afford it. But, um, in, in other news, uh, yes, it's, it's official. Frank Allen has, in fact, purchased the Brooklyn Institute for Extra Historical Studies and has installed himself as the head of the, of the university, so to speak, of the, of the institute. I should say. Um, it's mind-boggling because I, I, I know he dislikes extra history and I don't know why he would do that. Um, perhaps it's because I, I have told him so many times how lucrative it is and, and he and he wants But he's got so much money. I really don't understand it. I really don't. I don't see what he's doing and why he's doing it. That is a little weird. But I, I, again, I, you know, we don't want to turn this into the Frank Allen every episode because he left us and he's a jerk. He said the F word, dropped a few F-bombs. He didn't know we were recording. So I guess that's, that's not really fair to accuse him of F-bombing us. But still, he said them to us, heartfelt F-bombs. Which exploded in our ears and our souls and, and, and have destroyed us. You don't believe in a soul, Jordan? Well, no, I don't. Uh, I was just speaking euphemistically. All right. Well, fine. Anyway, let's, let's, I guess let's get right to it. Cause I did say that we do have a really, uh, uh, a jam packed show. And I, and I meant it. I meant it. I'm, I am always worried that we will talk too much. I mean, but I, I mean, I like talking with you guys. And I think these introductions do give a lot to the podcast. But at the same time, I'm always worried that we're going to have too many of them and we're not going to have time for all the shows. Well, that's understandable. And of course, I wouldn't want you to cut my show because there wasn't time. Of course, my show is very short. So it'd be, pointless to cut it. It'd be much more helpful to cut Scape show, for example. <laughs> no, Scape, you're not allowed to talk right now. Uh, during the next segment, hopefully, you'll be able to talk. So, anyway, um, let's get right to it. This is, like I said, it's Epic Echoes. It's an episode called That's My Paradox, which does feature Scape uh, heavily, even though, of course, he's not allowed to talk right now. <laughs> and uh, I think I think everybody will enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun. I, Fertress Fuzzbottom is a very fun character, so let's get right into it. series. Season 2, Episode 11, That's My Paradox, by Jordan D. White. Max Thornfield and his intrepid flashback were finally home. What had begun as a simple mission through time had evolved into a deadly game of cat and mouse that had spanned the last six months of their lives. Finally, they'd steered their Saladonian cat ship back into the here and now, returning to the flashpoint in the present. They'd left their friend Nectoris Steloff monitoring their base when they'd left. Now, six months later, he seemed to have made himself comfortable. His clothing was scattered around the lounge, and empty bottles of vodka and banana peels littered every open surface. It's good to see you! Where have you been? I thought you would just be a minute! Sorry, Stelloff. It's a long story. The moral of which is never take Andralis in Baltimore of the future. You were only dead for a month! Get over it! Easy for you to say. You and Slaughter were the only ones she didn't kill. I said I was sorry, didn't I? I was being controlled. And I did figure out how to bring you back. They're just teasing, Dralis. We know you're one of the good guys. Anyway, Stoff, we didn't mean to leave you so long. But we did manage to wipe the Vampiros out of existence. So it was worth it. Forgive us? Vampiros? Uh, what on earth is that? Um, duh, the reason we had to go into time in the first place. Guys, he doesn't remember them. They never existed. Oh, right. That was sort of the entire point, wasn't it? So why did you think we went into time, Doctor? You went to get milk and the store had closed an hour before. Whoops, well... <laughs> We didn't get any. It's all right. I'm lactose intolerant. But why were you gone for six months? If you can time travel... You read Dryberg's paper on chronal synchrony. We experienced six months of life. If we want to re-enter the time stream permanently, we have to allow for that discrepancy. 
Fourth law of time travel. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, but you could have called first. I would have cleaned up the place a little. I hope you do. Uh, what's going on? Everything around the flash pack had slowed to a stop. Steloff was frozen picking up a handful of peels. The live extranet and blog fees were frozen mid-sentence. And outside the Flashpoint's windows, the lunar commuter traffic was frozen mid-space. Great gods of Ganymede! We've broken time! Not yet, you haven't. The pack spun on their heels to find Alyssa, the godlike time-stepper from outside time, standing before them amid the frozen time. In her hand, she held a small spell pouch. And I can't let you have the opportunity. Oh, hey, Alyssa. How's it hanging? I'm sorry, Jill, but this isn't a social call. What can we do for you, then? Need someone to go on a top-secret time mission? We've just got back, but I suppose we could- No, Jill. I'm afraid I'm here to take you out of existence. What? No! You're going to have to go through us. Please, don't make this any harder than it has to be. You know I love you, Jill, but the Time Steppers have made their decision. But why? I never did anything to them. I'm afraid you have. This last six months, you've done considerable damage to the time stream. You've done more to destabilize reality than any time-turner before or after you. But I've just been time-traveling, same as I always did. Not quite. Small treks, personal visits, time can bend to accommodate. You and the Flash Pack have been doing full-blown historical manipulation, deliberately altering events you knew to have already happened, wiping out the very things that caused you to turn time in the first place. Time wasn't meant to have to deal with that sort of paradox all at once. It makes things... sloppy. So your solution is to destroy me? You even think of coming near her and we'll knock your block off. Whoa, whoa, whoa. May I interject? Please, Mr. Kovacs. Um, Maybe you could just ask her nicely? Ask her? Well, Slaughter's a pretty nifty individual. And if I know her as well as I think I do, she doesn't particularly want to destroy the universe. If you ask her not to do any more time-altering, I'm fairly certain she'll promise to behave. Yeah, I can be good. Scout's honor. You were a Boy Scout? No, it just sounded good. Perhaps I can be of some assistance, madam. Ah, yes, Mr. Fuzzbottom. Such a pity. What? How can you assist? My people have a spell called... Which, roughly translated, means that's my turkey. You put it on a bowl of food, and if someone else comes and tries to eat it, they're frozen in place just before they put their tongue to meat. What does your turkey spell have to do with anything? Slaughter isn't stealing anyone's dinner. No, 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 no. She can put the spell on Slaughter. So just before she paradoxes something... All of time freezes, and I wipe her out from existence before she actually does the deed. Which is totally not ever going to happen again, I swear. Very well. This is agreeable to the Time Steppers. Er, don't you have to discuss it with the others? We discussed it before I came. We decided to accept the bargain once it was proposed. So why come in threatening Jill? Because if I hadn't, he would never have come up with the proposal. You see, you fail to grasp even the simplest paradox avoidance measures. That's why this intervention was necessary. Well, you have my word. I won't be tweaking time anymore. I don't want to be... not. I like being. Then so it shall be. I guess this means we won't be seeing you again. Oh, we've met again. Or rather, we will. When you need it most. Alyssa held the spell pouch up as if in explanation, then vanished as reality slowly resumed. What? I said I hope you don't mind. I made myself at home. Uh, no, not at all. Just so long as you left our quarters alone. I'm going to go check my lab. (laughs)
You know, it's great to see you again, but uh, now that you're home, I think it's just about time for me to head back to my hometown in Russia. I haven't seen the mother country in, oh, a very long time. I- I'm sure she misses her space-faring son. I must be going. Doctor, your banana crates? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, thank you, Miss Keen. Uh, without them, my larynx would shrink We know. And my- Thanks. Yes. Uh, well, welcome home. Be seeing you. With that, the Russian scientist took off, hailing a passing taxi and speeding off planetside. Well, I guess we better get this place cleaned up, gang. I know it's a mess, but if we all pull together, we can- You're not going to pull a flashback about cleaning, are you? Uh, no, I wasn't. Sure. I wonder how much we've missed being gone for six months. Here, I'll put on the vid. From the Republican Party, which still has no candidate for the upcoming election. Sources close to the party say they'd take anyone but current President Smitty, but rumors of Smitty's involvement with the Syrian Mafia have scared any potential candidates from throwing their hat into the ring. These allegations are completely false. There have been laws against dealing with Syrians for years, and I wouldn't dream of breaking those laws. However, what I said still stands. If my party puts forth no candidate, the public can and should assume that I am their choice. Meanwhile, Democratic candidate Senator Randall Marsh continues to put pressure on the Republican Party. I don't know if the rumors of Smitty's Syrian connections are true, but regardless, I find the current situation reprehensible. If the Republican Party does not choose a candidate, they're giving in to the whim of a petty bully. Clearly, they don't want Smitty, or they would have named him. I challenge you, Republicans of America, to stand up to this criminal. I have no doubt that I and my running mate, Theo Carter, can defeat Smitty. But if he is not your candidate, we shouldn't have to. All the things we changed in the world, and that jerk Smitty is still president? If Alyssa had just come ten minutes later... Don't even joke. I'm done changing things around. But there's still no one to stand up to him. Oh, please! Don't tell me you're still going to run for president! Why not? Someone needs to put Smitty in his place. But didn't you always say Marsh should run? Well, sure. I mean, he'd make an excellent president for a Democrat. He's a good man with a solid voting record. But what he said is right. If we just lay down and let Smitty get his way, whether he'll win or not, we're allowing him to corrupt our democracy. But you're too young to be president! Even I know that! You have to be 35 at least! They taught us that in grade school! Sure, but that just means we'll need to change the rules. That's what democracy is all about, the will of the people. I've just got to drum up support for an amendment. I bet we could get a whole mess of signatures at a comic book convention. People love the flashback there. We can make a panel appearance, and you can announce your candidacy. Great. You'll have the 30-year-old living in their mother's basement vote. Don't be such a negative Nelly, Trollis. You really think this can work, Jimmy? Well, I'll never know until I try, but I'll need a good campaign manager. That's for sure. You really need to get your image out there and start changing your public perception from science adventure sidekick to something more presidential. Um, yeah, that's true. You've got to make sure you get somebody who really knows the flashback, too. You don't want someone who's going to make you go against your morals. That's your biggest appeal. You're a real straight shooter, always doing right. Gosh, thanks. And another thing. You need someone who isn't afraid to toot your horn. Modesty has no place on a campaign. You need someone who's not afraid to just come out and say Jimmy Kovacs is the most ethical, straightforward, diplomatic, and right headed man to run for president since Thomas Jefferson. That's the kind of campaign manager you want. Then I have just the girl. Yeah? Who's that? What? Why are you all... Oh. You mean me? If you're willing. I'd be honored, Jimbo. But we'd better get started right away. We've only got about four months until the election. This is going to have to be the fastest campaign on record. I'd say it's time for one of your patented Kovacs Jam sessions. That's exactly what I was thinking, Max. Let's get everyone together. Stella! Where is that Shudra? 
Molly, what's wrong? He used all my spare parts and half my Crello toner to make a banana cloning ray. And he left his filthy peels all over Julie's hyperdrive. Why am I not surprised? That man just doesn't know how to keep his hands to... I'm going to check my underwear drawer. That's okay. We'll start brainstorming when you get back. You don't think he touched my yum yum stash, do you? He'd be frozen if he did, wouldn't he? Good point. Hey, where did Drowis go? I think she slipped out while Slatter was talking about Jimmy's qualifications. Must have had to go to the bathroom or something. I'll just go. Give the girl her privacy, fuzzball. <laughs> but Drowis hadn't gone to the bathroom. She'd gone off to her quarters to be alone. She closed and locked the door, and her shoulders visibly sunk. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy! It's like it's all Max cares about. Making the little pipsqueak happy. I could be president if I wanted to. Hey, what's this? Resting on Dralis's bed was a dark crystalline shard. It had definitely not been there when she'd left six months before. She picked it up. It was warm to the touch. Maybe it's Dr. Stelloff's, but why would he leave it in my room? <sighs> Who knows why that maniac does anything? It's beautiful. Dark. Dralis looked into the darkness of the crystal, her eyes falling deeper and deeper into its depths. It's like the farther inside you go, the darker it gets. Much like you, my dear Dralis. Who? Who said that? A friend. Maybe the only real friend you have. What do you want? I have a secret to tell you. Oh, don't worry. It's good news. What is this strange crystal? Who is contacting Dralis? Will Jimmy be able to get an amendment passed so he can run for president? Will President Smitty tolerate this affront? Tune into this season's episodes of Epic Echoes, the Backward series, to find out. Next week, the adventure continues with The Dogs of War. In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield, Angela Tymon was Dralis, Devon White was Molly, Lynn Nelson was Slaughter, Tongwen Wong was Keen, Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs and Dex, Scape White was Fertress, Jordan D. White was Dr. Steloff, Frank Allen was the newsman, Sam Thomason was Randall Marsh, and Patrick Ganan was President Smitty. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Mikowski. All right, one, two, three, not it. Oh, sorry, Rory, you do not get to talk this time. Oh, but that's my segment. No, 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 doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Um, so, Scape, let's talk uh, for briefly, very briefly, about that episode. Uh, you played Fertress Fuzzbottom. You get to do the not, or what was it, That's My Turkey spell, where you talk about the That's My Turkey spell. So, what what do you think, would that be an effective spell in real life? How would you feel about that? Oh, that would be, okay, that would be phenomenal, because sometimes I receive a little bit of food, and if Boobow comes and eats it, that's really wrong. That's, like, inhumanly wrong. Okay, Escape, but first of all, you almost never leave your food. You almost always wolf it down as fast as humanly possible. And second of all, you you often eat her food. If that spell was real, she would probably do it on her food. You'd walk up, and you'd be the one frozen in time. Well, Dad, she doesn't know how to do magic. You don't know how to, No, but it's not real. No, There's no real magic. But if re magic was real, she might do it to you. I was the one who prayed Fertress. She didn't get to pray him. Because she's a girl. Maybe I would have had her play someone. In fact, I think, doesn't she have an appearance? I, it doesn't matter. The point is, you, if, if it's, oh gosh, you're the one who steals, pe steals people's foods. She doesn't usually steal food. You steal food. Dad, if I leave food, she might steal it. Well, yes, but you almost never leave food. You only leave food if you don't really like it. And then she steals it! 
But you don't like it. What's the difference? Dad. Escape. It's just you're being a total idiot. Okay. Um, let's let's go on to the next section of the show. Uh, the next section is, of course, Mr. Roy Sinjin's part of the show. Escape. Uh, since Roy can't talk, would you like to introduce it? What do you think of his section of the show? Uh, well, it's okay. Uh, it talks about stuff that I don't know about. So he's like, oh, in history, there was a thing. <laughs> and it's like, so who cares? Not me. So you don't learn an important lesson? There's like a, usually a moral involved. Uh, yeah. No, I don't care. I mean, what what moral is there? What what moral does it teach me that affects me in my life? Well, I guess that's uh, you know, I guess that's sort of true. Most of the morals he gives aren't uh, cat relevant. Well, let's find out. Let's listen to one, and we'll see if it's cat relevant. Okay. Hello, my name is Roy Singer, and welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. On December 15th, 1791, following ratification by the state of Virginia, the first ten amendments to the U.S. Constitution, known collectively as the Bill of Rights, become the law of the land. Let's listen. So, right number one, free speech. Now, if I <laughs> say one. to... Good one. Yeah, no, what's the real first amendment? I say to little Jim, oh, come you, over here serious? into the back of my truck. That's all right. It's free speech. I don't think so. It's freedom of speech in this country now. I can do it. Are we, are we really married to this freedom of speech? I love it. I'm Come not- here, little boys. It's free speech. All right, this guy, yeah, Thomas whoa, Jefferson, geez. is really creeping me out. Definitely. I think no, we should do something get- about it. What do you mean? I made the amendment. I get all, I can say whatever look, I want to anybody look, now. Look, jerk. Yeah? You're kind of weird, and your habits are socially unacceptable. We're reporting you to the House Social- of Burgesses. By the way, I'm small, not a kid, so stop touching me. Yeah, whoa. Totally weird. All right, you can tell me that, because of freedom of speech. I tell you, yeah, I don't care. Freedom I like, of speech. I like this Second Amendment. Right to bear arms. Bang! Ah! Wow, right in the kneecaps. That's what he kept touching me with. Weep not for Thomas Jefferson. Apparently, he was a pedophile. If you find out about someone abusing your children or the children of someone you know, report them to the proper authority. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But don't touch that dial. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Yes, it's a little known fact that much of the Bill of Rights was in fact written by Thomas Jefferson as a means to allow himself to molest children. We already covered the First and Second Amendment, but in fact the rest of the amendments for the most part were intended for that use. The Third Amendment was saying you don't have to quarter troops unless, of course, they let you molest their children. The Fourth Amendment against unreasonable search and seizure so that, you know, he could hide the evidence of molesting children. The Fifth Amendment double jeopardy so he couldn't be tried more than once for molesting children. The Sixth Amendment to a speedy trial so he can get back out and molest children some more. And of course, most of all, the Ninth Amendment, which reads the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people, which of course Thomas Jefferson intended to mean that they also have the right to molest children. The fact of the matter is that all the other elder statesmen who were working on the Bill of Rights with him hated Thomas Jefferson for this reason and took turns punching him in the stomach uh, until, in fact, his stomach erupted out of his mouth. Uh, It was very unfortunate for Mr. Jefferson, but he kind of deserved it because, in fact, you shouldn't molest children. And as I said before, you should always report people. And in fact, that's what they did after that. And he spent the rest of his life in jail. Unfortunately, the rest of his life was, in fact, negative one day because he'd already died when they punched him in the stomach. So many times. My name is Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. One, two, three, got it. Excellent. Now I get to talk about my segment of the show, wonderful, which makes me very, very happy. Um, now, Escape, you see, that that episode, you, you were saying you didn't find my, my part of the show useful, but that episode of my show was very useful. It, it, it informed about the Bill of Rights, which is, of course, um, very effective in parts of making us good citizens and, and allowing us to have rights as citizens in America, because I am American now, as you know. Um, also, uh, it's, it's, it's about, it's an anti-child molestation ad, which, you know, perhaps is not the most controversial of stances against child molesting, but it, it is bad. Uh, 
What? It's against child molesting. Child molesting is not a good thing. Uh, I, I don't have a child. And if I did, it would be a cat child. Is it against the law to molest cats? Childs? Well, I, I, I'm not really clear on that. I mean, probably, most likely. Uh, of course, I mean, uh, you probably couldn't call the police. But uh, probably, I, would, I would assume it is. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Because I think uh, most of the time, they don't really think that cats have very many rights at all. Maybe you should do an episode where it's like, hey, cats have rights. Hmm? Did you ever think? I, I suppose I could do that, although I'd have to find out exactly what the rights of cats are and, and you know, enumerate them in, in some sort of truthful way. Well, you wouldn't have to because you always make stuff up, so you could just make up that cats have rights. Well, yes, I, I, all right, yes, I could postulate a reality in which cats had full rights as citizens, yes, uh, but that would not be then the public service announcement. Well, the public service announcement could be about how much better the world is when cats have full rights because cats are better than peoples. <laughs> well, I, I don't know that I agree with that, so I don't think I'd want to support that message. Well, then, not effective. I don't, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're talking about. Guys, you have to, Jordan, uh, I know I'm not supposed to talk. You just have to introduce the next. Oh, yes. Uh, well, coming up next, and this is rather unfortunate, I must say, because again, previous episode, another show with Frank Allen in it. Is he in every every segment since he's left the show? It, it, it's, it's almost unheard of. Yeah, I'm, he's in more than I am, because I'm only in some things, but he's in like all things, almost. Yes, it, it's, it's, it's quite distressing. But here's another Frank Allen thing, I suppose. Um, now, this one is called Tract or Fiction. It, it examines the work of Jack Check. I think he's probably going to explain it when, when he starts, because he, he does that a lot. But, you know, it's it's not as good as... My, I mean, if I had a full show of Where Are They Now in History, where I could get really in-depth... I, I mean, you can hear I sort of rush through it. I sort of have to fit in as many facts as I can. Oh, this, 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 this. Well, you know, I only covered a few of the of the amendments listed in the, in, the, in, the, in the Bill of Rights. I could have gone through all of them. I could have listed exactly how each of them affects child molestation, or rather, how Thomas Jefferson would like it to have. I could have had experts on. I could have examined the ways in which child molestation is not expressly forbidden in the Constitution. Or, you know, there's all sorts of things I could have done. But instead, I have a minute and then some of show, and Frank Allen gets this long show. Guys, you really got it. Uh, all right, fine, fine, fine. Um, all right, well, now here's Tractor Fiction, and I hope you enjoyed. Good evening, everyone. This is Frank Allen here on... WHRW Binghamton. Uh, we're here to do uh, Tract or Fiction, the weekly program that we do where we explore the works of Jack Chick. He makes these little comic books uh, talking about things that he, you know, he believes in. We uh, we like to figure out what they're all about here. So we're going to start with this uh, tract as a reenactment, and then we're going to debate it as we always do. Uh, this tract we're doing tonight is called. Trial, uh, and uh, it's very. Uh, I think it was written uh, in coordination with one of the most famous law schools or something because it's very legally accurate. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, the trial. Once upon a time, in a school playground just like the one you and/or your child plays on a regular basis, two little girls were whispering to one another secretly. After many highly charged and powerful words, one of the girls leapt up. I'm going to tell my mom what you said. She did just that. Annie said that? Yes, Mom, but wait. Nobody tells my daughter these things. But, Mom. Mrs. Baxter dragged her daughter, Debbie, off to the ACLQ headquarters, which is, I don't know, 
the American Civil Liberties Quorum? Sure, why not? There, they met with a fat, ugly lawyer. Yes, you do have a case. How much do you want? Ten million dollars. They immediately held a press conference, and the bleeding-heart liberal media was quick to grab onto the story with its vicious fangs and tear into it. We are awaiting the arrival of the infamous defendant, Mrs. Ann Gordon. There she is, Miss Gordon. You are charged with a major hate crime. Your hateful words have inflamed the entire country. Is there anything you'd like to say before you go on trial? I just told her what God said. Hmm! How dare you speak for God! It's real easy. Want some of my cookie? Soon, the trial was underway. Your Honor, I will be calling a highly respected clergyman from four major religions that have been offended. I will show that the defendant violated Mrs. Baxter's civil and religious rights and purposely brainwashed her child. Your Honor, I submit Exhibit A. This piece of hate literature was handed to my client's daughter. Let the record show that the paper reads, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. That's a lie! Hateful! Order in the court! There are many ways to heaven. I call Bishop Danny O'Toole! Proceed, Counselor. Oh, my laddie, there is no salvation outside the Church of Rome. But by what authority can she cause such division amongst those of us who are sacred? The teachings of the Mother Church are the final authority on this issue. That and me whiskey right here. What a respected theological document would teach such a narrow doctrine. I stake my terrible Irish accent upon this. It's in the Bible, sir. I call Abdullah Abdullah. Islam is outraged. That statement destroys our religion. It humiliates Allah, the Quran, and the Prophet Muhammad, blessed be. I call Rabbi Ginsburg to the stand. Aye, if that verse is true. And I am not going to heaven, because the Jewish religion rejects Jesus Christ. And Dr. Green, as a professor of theology and a noted Bible scholar, what do you think of that verse? It should be removed from the Bible. My study of Greek and Hebrew confirm that there are many ways to heaven. This little fanatic is guilty of insulting us all. Ms. Gordon, what did you say to Debbie Baxter? I told Debbie that Jesus was the only way she could get into heaven. He's the only way for you too, Judge. Just answer the questions, young lady. The emotional stress of this hateful attack has almost caused me to have a mental breakdown. Lastly, Your Honor, I called Debbie Baxter to the stand. Oh, I'm counting on you, baby. So, Debbie, can you tell the court in your own words what happened? When I told Mama what Annie said, she dragged me to the lawyer. I didn't get to tell her the best part. Please, by all means, tell the court what else took place. When Annie told me I should ask Jesus into my heart, I did. Now I love God and everybody, and Jesus is my way to heaven because Jesus doesn't lie. Case dismissed. No, my dreams of filthy sweet monies. Many years later, Mrs. Baxter, Bishop O'Toole, Abdulia Abdullah, Rabbi Ginsburg, and the Reverend Dr. Green all die at a trial reunion party. Then, a startling event occurs. All five rise from their graves. Oops, they thought the trial was over. But it wasn't. A much higher court takes over. The one who will judge nations and every man, woman, and child who ever lived now demands an account of their actions. 
It is Judgment Day. You five now know that Annie was right. There's only one way to heaven. And I, Jesus Christ, am that way. I left heaven and came to earth to die for your sins so you could get into heaven. I will never allow sin to get in heaven. And only shedding of my sinless blood could pay the price for your sins. The gift of eternal life is only through that shed blood, but you all rejected it. Therefore, you die in your sins. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Satan does not want you to believe the gospel. So, he and his fathers, he and his followers, called hate literature. Oh, my lady, I can't believe this. I'm in the excess of evil. No matter what anyone tells you, Jesus is the only way into heaven. If you want to go there, do what he says. And uh, that's the end of that tract. Uh, as as per normal, uh, we are going to have a debate about this uh, tract. Uh, we have, uh, once again, I, I do want to point out that always, we always uh, prepare really rigorously for this debate. Uh, people have been researching since last week on their sides of the debate because they really want to win the debate, uh, which is why uh, debater number one, I believe, is particularly prepared. Uh, debater number one? Yes, um, I'm uh, Franz Kafka. Hello, Mr. Kafka. How are you doing today? Uh, doing quite well. Yourself? I'm doing excellently well. Uh, and uh, debater number two? Me, um, Bizarro Franz Kafka. I'm sorry, uh, Bizarro Franz Kafka. Yes. And how are you doing today? Me, I'm not doing well. Yourself? I, I am doing excellently well. All right, well, uh, interestingly enough, uh, I believe uh, we're going to see who is on what side of that debate. And, oh, interestingly enough, Bizarro, uh, Franz Kafka, as we all know, you believe that this tract is true. Me have prepared many documents saying so. And uh, Mr. Non-Bizarro, Franz Kafka, you believe this tract is uh, not true. Yes, indeed, Your Honor. All right, well, now uh, you, you get to go first on the attack, and of course, uh, we will bring in some experts on the issue shortly. Well, anyway, like a lot of you um, know of a certain Franz Kafka, but I am actually not him. Um, I just happen to have the same name as the author of the trial. Oh, wait, hold on. You're not the, you're not the author of the original trial? No, so, nor am I an so, author of of, hold, hold on. of this this trial. Cindy, I thought we were booking the real Franz Kafka. What what's going on? I'm sorry, he was busy. Um, <sighs> All right, I'm sorry. Continue. Well, a anyway, um, I really don't know much about legal proceedings per se, but it does seem kind of odd that um, not only are like not only is Abdullah Abdulia. Um, you know, all these faiths, uh... I'm sorry, it's Abdulia Abdullah. Abdulia Abdullah. Um, Father O'Toole, all these, uh, faiths, you know, Catholicism, Judaism, Islam, are all completely wrong, and, um, whatever little girl Christianity this is, turns out to be the correct one. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, and, uh, Bizarro, what's your rebuttal? Chick track here, better than chick track in Bizarro world. Bizarro World Chick Track make perfect sense. But you think it's right, right? Yes. Okay. Are Bizarro World Chick Tracks are like... Excellent. Are you the Bizarro incarnation of this gentleman here, or the real Franz Kafka? Me am real Bizarro Franz Kafka. So, did you write the trial? Wrote not the trial. Not the trial. 
Okay, interesting. Um, all right. Um, do you have any rebuttals against whatever it is he said? Legal proceedings seem okay to me. There you go. Uh, all right. Uh, do, hold on. I believe we have an expert here on legal proceedings. Uh, expert, let me ask uh, your name. Um, I'm Cindy. C- Cindy, my producer? No. A different Cindy. Another Cindy. That's coincidence. I don't think I produce anything. Okay. Uh, what, uh, what are you, I'm sorry, what are you an expert of? God. You know God? Yes. All right, uh, what is uh, the answer? Annie told me to accept God into my hold, heart. Hold on, hold on. You're. Boy, this is, a little, this is exactly the little girl Christianity Listen, I was talking about. My friend Annie, who is not from the story but is real. It's another Annie. Her name is a Annie. A different Annie. It's another coincidence. Yes. It's, a, it's Bizarro Annie. No. She told me to accept God into my heart and to my home, and I did, and he touched me. I'm sorry, what? He touched me. Jesus touched you. God touched me. And so, okay, I'm sorry, you're crying because it was such a moving experience? No! She's talking about being molested. Are you Frank saying the, Allen, man. the bad touch? He, he touched me, the oops, bad touch. Okay, Cindy, it's time to come home now, okay? Come on. No. no. Let's, let's go. Let's go. No, now, he's okay? still there. It's all going to be okay. Are you, are you he's Cindy's still mother? home. Um, I, I am Cindy's caretaker, yes. I'm sorry, her caretaker? Is she an old woman now? Uh, Cindy is uh, Cindy is childlike. I'm afraid she's always going to be this way. Uh, she she met God a few years ago in a very personal sense I'm of the word. I'm seven! No. no, sorry, Cindy, you're actually 29. I'm seven! Come on, come on, let's let's go home now. It's time for cake. I don't want to go home again! <sighs> Listen, Cindy, we gotta, we gotta continue this debate. Uh, thank you for being our expert on God. I'm um, terribly sorry. It's all right. Um, Bizarre. I don't want anything! On, on an additional note, though I am not the Franz Kafka you guys got to, you guys wanted to come yeah. on to the show, I did write a musical called The Trial at one point. You wrote them, was um, it about, wait, was it based on this tract? Um, no, not really. Was it based on the Franz Kafka? Tr- um, no, it was more just about me getting a sandwich. Talking Man should sing song from The Trial. Oh, yes, that might, that, might, that might show us something. Or is Talking Man not enough of a man? Should Bizarro Franz Kafka call him Talky Girl? You're not even my Bizarro, so... Bok, 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 baka. Oh, that's it. You're going down. We're going to just... I'm going to sing you clear out of this room All right, right this, so this is going to be a, a uh, an original song from your musical, The Trial, the musical, based on you getting a sandwich. The Indeed. trial dancers are here! Oh, you brought dancers! You yes. planned for it! Wow, yes. okay. I, I told you, I've been planned for this since last week. Wow, okay. No, I told them that, but yes. I'm going to have to do both my primary and backup vocals, though. Okay. So it's going to sound a little... Then why do you pay us? Well, the, you, you're the dancers. You're not the backup vocals. Oh. Uh, if this is a musical, you'd have us doing both, retard. You know, last night you told me I could sing. Dude, not cool. All right, You right. told me I was going to have the lead. No, 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 no. The lead was going to me. You're the silent role. Why, you stupid... <laughs> it seemed Franz Kafka... Surround himself with player hitters. Oh, ladies, ladies, don't go! Well, uh... I guess they... Now no ladies. We don't want this crap anymore! We hate the fake... Kafka. I'm not (laughs) fake! Wait a minute. This guy is fake! He's bizarro! At least he's the real bizarro! 
Wait, how can he be how the real Bizarro? How can he be a real Bizarro? Kafka, you doing anything tonight? Bizarro Kafka, call you later, fine lady. Call me. He can't even form a sentence correctly. All right. Uh, why would you want to date to. him? Hold on. Now, hold on. Uh, are you going to do part of your, your musical or not? Oh, no. I... I I'm. I lost my motivation. They, All right, my, well, my I'm dancers. still motivated. I'm still motivated. You're just about to walk out the door. Yeah, but you were not motiva- motivated anymore, so we came back. All right. Um, I'm actually, just here to make you look bad. We actually have an expert on uh, your musical. Uh, we have a uh, a Broadway critic who saw the early review. Oh boy, here it goes. Yes. Um. I was eating some very very uh, fine popcorn at the time. I'm impressed at this uh, particular theater's uh, uh, quality of their popcorn. Uh, the butter was very good, and I don't believe I paid attention. However, I heard a lot of singing, and I believe it was a musical, um, and I don't believe anyone messed up. I give it two thumbs up. See, there you go. Wow. Even the critics like it. Wow. Thumbs up in Bizarro World means suck. Clearly, that's the same thing here. That's... Pardon me, what are we talking about again? Uh, the trial, the musical. The trial, the... Uh, was that by Tolstoy? No, no, no. Franz Kafka, the not-writer guy. Franz Kafka, the not-writer guy. I don't believe I've heard of him. Is he famous? No. Mm. Well, I'm not an art I, critic. I, I I'm do, sorry. I do hope to change that very soon. I'm thinking about doing a Broadway tour with this. What, you're going to do a tour of Broadway? You're going to, what, go to each theater on oh, Broadway? Bizarro Franz Kafka make many notes in preparation for this debate and wasted all of them. All right, all right, all right. Hold on now. La- ladies, thank you for coming and not dancing. Uh, Mr. Critic, thank you. Whatever. Call me. Um, okay, look. Mr. Kafka. Which one? Bizarro? No, or? he's Bizarro, Mr. Okay, Kafka. Right. You're Mr. Kafka. Right. Mr. Kafka, is Jesus the only way into heaven? Hell no. What other ways are there? Well... Is there a back door into heaven? Well, yes, of course. I uh, found it while I was touring Broadway, actually. I'm, what, is that a, a back door or a stage door? It's a stage door that leads into heaven. What show were you at the theater of? Um, My show, but uh, they did. Uh, I did remember someone sprinkling uh, a little extra spice into my sandwich before uh, I discovered this door, so All right. maybe that is the true way into heaven. Mr. Bizarro, is Jesus the only way into heaven? Totally. Uh... What about the sprinkle? Me, I'm not sure about this sprinkle thing. Franz Kafka man did not perform Song from Trial. Clearly, no such thing as trial musical. Hmm, that's hard to debate. I rule. There's no way you can beat that. More like you drool, and there is every way I can beat that. All right! Now let's not now get personal. Now look what personal. you made me did. You made me talk sensibly. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Ha! I bet in Bizarre World, that means you have bad grammar. Here's the thing. This debate is a really difficult one to decide, because you guys both made really poor arguments. But I'm going to decide. Oh. Oh, goodness. Bizarro, you won. How do you feel about that? Not surprised. I'm quite surprised. This guy couldn't even form a proper sentence, except for the very end back there. Well, uh... I've written a musical, a musical called The Trial, about getting a sandwich... And yet some- you know what? Let me let me ask dancers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is They're this musical biased. any good whatsoever? Not really. Oh. Well, we don't know because we've never actually heard or performed it. You've never heard it. We 
He hasn't he given doesn't us let us say. Okay, Franz Kafka walking out of the room now. Um, oh, uh, bye, Mr. Kafka. We, we've been good to win. silence and clapping oh. for a while. Yeah, he hasn't actually even given us a script of any sort. We just sort of wander around. Hey. Silence! Hey, Mr. Kafka, am I ever getting paid? Because, like, I need food and stuff. Um... <laughs> Bizarro Kafka provide food for you. All right, lady. Oh, it looks like yeah, baby. it looks Stop like we've made a love collect connection uh, on the show tonight between three ladies and a Bizarro. Um, that's just about all we can ask for here on Tractor Fiction. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, now that you know that apparently there's no uh, stage door to heaven, uh, feel free to adjust your uh, lifestyle accordingly. Talk to you soon. This is Frank Allen signing off. This episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Anna Call, Guinevere Eckert, Dylan Lanehart, Lynn Nelson, Magdalena Richards, Nicholas Roach, Daniel Schwartz, Angela Tyman, and Jordan D.Y. Thank you very much, Rory. And now, one, two, three, not it. Oh, come on! <laughs> Sorry, Scape. Sorry, Scape. But um, now that Tractor Fiction is over, of course, the next section is Scapey Stories from a Cat in the Dark, and he does not get to introduce it. Um, Rory, this is the first episode of Scapey Stories from a Cat in the Dark that you are not a part of. How do you feel about that? What's the news on that? Well, it's it's fine. I really don't mind. Uh, like I said, I, I don't mind spreading the wealth around. I, it, was, it was nice of you to have me on them, so to speak. N- so to, so to, it, it doesn't matter. It, it was I was on them, and that was the way it was. But um, now I'm not. So. Well, you don't really seem broken up. Well, I'm not broken up, no. But well, I, I'll listen to it, and I'll, I'll I'll let you know what I think and all that. But no, it's fine. It's fine. Well, what do you think of the segment in general? Do you think it's scary? Not funny, but scary. Scary. Uh, yes, it's very. It's very scary. It's very scary the way he butchers. The stories. I, I'm, I'm assuming you mean the way that people get butchered in the stories. Well, yes, uh, it's because of the horror stories, yes. So, yes, sure, that's what I mean, yes. Huh. Let's get right to it. This is our very first episode with a guest audience member, and hopefully we'll have more like this. Let's get to Scapey Stories. Scapey Stories from a Cat in the Dark. Hello and welcome to Scapey Stories from a Cat in the Dark. And we have our very third episode and Scape is, of course, the host, as you know, my cat who reads these stories. Well, he doesn't read them. He tells these stories that I have read to him in his own amazing style. And I'm not being sarcastic, but we do have a guest audience member, which is our good friend Lynn Nelson, who, as far as I know, is not a murderer. No, I'm not a murderer. Uh, I'm also only here because Frank is gone. Good job getting rid of him. Well, I didn't really get rid of him. But anyway, okay. Um, so Scape, you have a, a, a story. For us? Yes, uh, of course I do. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, this episode, I have a story called The Buried Alive by John Gart. Okay, so like once upon a time, uh, I was I was sick. I had a fever. I was really sick, and everybody was kind of like, "Oh man, he's really sick." And so I was in bed, you know, being sick, uh, not like puking. I mean, I was just sitting there, kind of uncomfortable. Were you in your bed or mom and dad's bed? Well, it's, <laughs> when do you not know how this works? It's like a story that I'm telling, but it's not a true story. I, it's not really about me, but it's like I have to say I. Okay, that's confusing. No, look, just put you, I was in. I was sick. Okay. And I was in a bed with blankets and everything, like a pillow and all those things. So a human bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you lie on your back like humans do? Because that seems awkward for a cat. For the, for the 
purposes of the story, you have to imagine on my back, but it, no, I wouldn't do that because it would show my belly. But for the purposes, okay, of this. So I was sick and I was like, ah, ah sick. Ah. So uh, I got really sick and one day uh, I, it was really worse and all of a sudden uh, I was like, I started having uh, like shakes and I was like, ah, da, 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 da. and I was shaking and I was like, ah, and uh, there was like a flash of light and all of a sudden I couldn't move at all. And so so, uh, the doctor came over and he was like, uh, he's dead. And, uh, everybody was like, oh no, he's dead. Oh no. And they were already sad. Wait, Skip, if you were dead, how do you know all this happened? Well, that's mysterious, isn't it? So, keep listening. So, I was, I was like, I'm not dead. What? I was thinking, I'm not dead. So don't say I'm dead. But they kept saying it and they were sad. And they were like, oh no. And, uh, so I was like, I gotta move. I gotta like, you know, jump up and show him. And I couldn't move, okay? And so, everybody, like I said, everybody was sad. And so, I was just laying there. Couldn't move, couldn't move, couldn't move. And so, the doctors were like... So all of like my friends and family were like we were sad. They were sad, and so then they left, and then came in the people who like had to uh, you know prepare the body. Uh, and so they were like, oh, let's get dressed. And they, but they were like jerks, okay? Because they didn't, they didn't care. Excuse me, wait. I, did you say let's get him dressed or let's get undressed? I mean, either way, it's weird, but let's get him dressed. They were going to put clothes on me for like a funeral or something. Like an open casket? Well, yeah, but, okay, so they were putting clothes on me. They would take off the clothes I was wearing. I was wearing clothes, okay, because that's what, like, it's a story. They took off my clothes, and they put on other clothes, but they were like, hey, look at this. Ha <laughs> he's dead. Blah, 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 blah. They, they didn't care. They were disrespectful, because it's just their job, and they don't know me. And uh, so uh, then I was like, you know, I'm, I got to move, but I couldn't. Still couldn't move. So then, oh, I, by, by the way, they also, like, Close my eyes. So I couldn't even see. I could only hear them now. I have good ears. So then all my friends would come around one at a time and be like, oh, Skype, I miss you. And some of them would like poke at me. Not like mean, but like, oh, you know, gentle. Like, haha, his little tummy. No, you, first of all, I told you, uh, they put clothes on me so you can't see my tummy. Second of all, no, just like, I don't know. I guess they were curious. They were like, what did you feel like? Anyway. Like, they wanted to know what a dead person felt like? Well, yeah, I guess. That's weird. Well, don't tell me. Your friends are weird. No, you're my friends. I don't poke at dead bodies. Yet. Anyway, I wasn't dead because I was thinking, like, this sucks. Hey, I gotta show him. But I couldn't still. Still couldn't. So anyway, this was went on for a few days where people come in and say, oh, sorry about that, being dead. And they would say, I miss you. Or, you know. And like a couple days later, there uh, some people would come in and be like, oh, it's, oh it kind of smells. Wait, is this like a five-day funeral? I don't, look, it's a story that someone told me. I didn't make it up. They were just coming for days. I, so, I don't know why you would do that, but I was, you know, just right there with my eyes closed listening, and they keep coming in. The point is, they were like, oh, he kind of smells. And so, I was, I was kind of like, poop on you. But, I couldn't. That's probably why you smell. No, that was just me. Oh. I was, cause they said I smelled. So anyway, uh, eventually they got like a coffin and they put me in a coffin and, uh, they took me to like a place and everybody was like, I know Scaby, he was a good guy. 
and he liked my food, da 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 And, uh, they, so, all of a sudden, I heard they put a radar on it, and they were, like, screwing in the red. And for a second, one of the guys screwing in the red was, like, like, singing a real song, do 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 and then he was, like, oh, that's probably not appropriate. So, that's good. Anyway, uh, I could feel, like, they were putting the coffin in the ground, and I'm, like, okay, this is so not good. Uh, I really gotta get up. I really gotta get up. Escape, has this happened to you before? Because you're really good at sensing every little move of this. Like, closing the coffin, putting you in the hole. Uh, look, it's kind of obvious. Because when you're putting, closing the coffin, it's like, you're, you're in a, a box, right? And you hear, like, chunk chunk you know? That's, they're closing it, and then it's like, shook, 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 shook. That's them screwing it shut. And then you can feel, they, when they put you in the, the ground, the coffin, it's like, with ropes and stuff, and it's like dangling. Well, I don't even, okay, I was gonna say, how did you feel that if you were paralyzed and couldn't feel anything. But then I want to know how you could feel ropes and stuff when you're in a box. I can, well, first of all, I never said I was paralyzed. Like, I can't feel anything. I can feel everything. I just can't move, okay? And uh, also, you feel... Because it's like a swing, okay? Have you ever... It's like a swing. So I'm in a box, but it's on ropes, and it's like dangle, 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 back and forth. You can tell. And then you get to the bottom, and you can tell. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Okay. So then they dropped in the ropes. They were gone. And then you could hear, like, more sounds. And it was dirt. Okay. On top of the coffin. And it was coming down a lot. Like, I think the guy had a shovel, probably. I'm just deducing that part. But he was filling in the hole, okay? And I'm like, oh, God. I really gotta get up. Because this is my last chance. If I don't get up, I'm gonna be buried. And that's it. Okay, so it's filling in slowly but slowly. And I still can't move. I still can't. Okay? So I'm like, oh, this is it. No, I'm toast. And eventually, uh, you can't even hear the dirt because he's done. He finished it. It gets further away because buried. But then, uh, it stops. You can hear, like, pat, pat, pat. Oh, it's all done. Pat, pat. I mean, I didn't hear him say it's all done, but I'm assuming that's probably what he thought to himself. Forget it. But I'm underground in a coffin going, oh, goodness gracious. Any minute now, there's going to be, like, worms who are, like, I like to eat people, nom, 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 and, like, rats and mold, so I like, I can eat people, too, that's cool. And so, uh, uh it's, like, time passes, and I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm freaking out, but I can't move, so I'm thinking freaking out with my brain, and, uh, all of a sudden, I start hearing sounds, and I'm like, okay, that's it, here come those wormies, gross, and the sound is getting louder and louder, and I'm like, what could this be? Escape, I just, I need an insight a little bit more into your state of mind right here. Have you had experience with worms? Uh, well, in, uh, in real life, no. But I think I understand they eat people. You never had worms? Have I had worms? For dinner? Oh, you don't you don't know anything about worms, do you? No. Okay, you want a scary story? I'm telling you a scary story! Listen, listen, it'll be fine. I just, to add to the scariness of your story, there are worms that get inside cats, and then they hurt you inside. Or sometimes they eat your moist food for you when it's in your stomach. What do you mean when it's in my stomach? The worm gets in your stomach. But then I already ate it! But it's alive. It, like, lives in your stomach, and it eats all your food when you eat it. But I already ate the food! It's in my stomach! And then the worm that's alive in your stomach 
eats the food. Why do I care? I already ate it. You don't. You get really skinny. You don't actually get the food you eat. I don't know what you're talking about. This should be. You know what? One day you'll get worms, and it will scare you, and you'll know what I'm talking about. <sighs> this is not about worms that I ate. This is about worms that are wanting to eat me. And so, okay, the noise is getting louder, and I'm like, is that worms? But then it gets louder, more louder, and I'm like, hmm, maybe it's not worms. Hey, wait, maybe it's my friends realizing I'm not really dead, and they want to save me. Probably not. <sighs> Don't, don't give it away. Did you know the story already? No. Okay, so, shh, don't tell. Anyway, so, noise, router, 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 or router, 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 router. So, I'm like, what is this noise? Oh, no, oh, no. And, uh, well, uh, what it was was, all of a sudden, uh, you could hear, like, and something opened the coffin, and then I felt like something grabbed me, uh, by the head and just, like, yanked me out and, like, picked me up and was walking, and I'm like, what? What is going on? I don't like it, and, uh, I try to, again, I, I still can't move, so, that doesn't work. So, uh, then I get, like, thrown inside of a thing, and I'm like, what is this thing? I mean, I don't even know what's going on. Anyway, so, I feel, after a little while, I start figuring it out, because, oh, because then I can hear people, and they're like, again, they're, like, joking around, they're like, oh, here's another dead cat, ha-ha, thrown in, Boop. Wait, I thought you were a person in the story. Wait, whatever, it's, uh, look, I'm a cat, so... But then, it's a story. <laughs> Use your imagination, okay? I'm trying, but you're not consistent. You're not! You have to imagine consistent. Okay, so, here I'm... Look, I still can't move. Everybody's, like, dead. Okay, everybody's saying... So I get thrown in this thing, and there's people making jokes, and they're like, harder, harder, harder. And so I figured out, with my brain still thinking, that they were, like, grave robbers, okay? Stealing dead bodies. So, uh, they... Uh, stay right drive away or whatever, and uh, a little while later, I hear somebody being like, hey, do you have a, do you have a dead body for me? <laughs> and uh, they're like, yeah, give us money. <laughs> and uh, they give me to this other person, and they put me on like a table, and uh, then people come in, and it's like, oh, good, we're gonna dissect a dead body. <laughs> so it was like a medical place where they were ruining stuff. That's a really shady sounding medical play. But they didn't have any bodies, I guess, but now they did, because it was me, and I'm like, okay, this is my chance again. I got to move. Couldn't move. Still couldn't move. So, then, uh, they're like, they're gonna dissect me. And then, uh, they were like, hey, uh, before we do that, though, let's, uh, you wanna see something I could do? And they were like, yeah. So then they, like, hooked up some thing to me. And I was like, what is all this? And they were like, I don't know, we're just gonna zap him for fun. <laughs> and so they zapped me with, like, uh, electric. And I was just like, wiggle, wiggle, ow. I didn't say ow, because I still couldn't move. But my body was like, shake, all oh, over. And uh, my eyes opened, but not like, because I was, I was arrived. I mean, I couldn't move still. But my eyes opened and I could see them. And some of them were like, oh, I know that guy. I remember him. I met him sometimes. They didn't recognize you by your whole face until your eyes were open? I don't, look, I don't know. But that's, maybe they were like, it could be some other great cat. And then they saw my eyes and were like, oh, gold eyes. I know that one. What color are your eyes? The gold, gold, golden, like gold. 
think. Anyway, look, they know. They were like, I know that guy. And I was like, oh, I know them. Why didn't you cut me open? But they were kind of just like, oh, that's too bad. We have to cut him open. But uh, that's what we're going to do. So I still couldn't move, even after they zapped me. And then, uh, so they were like, all right, let's, uh, let's cut him open. <laughs> and they took, like, a knife. And they were like, oh, they took off all my clothes, obviously. And they took out, like, a knife. And were like, we're going to cut him. And they came closer. And, uh, they, they did it. They cut uh, into my chest. And all of a sudden, it was like, ow, that really hurts. And I woke up. And I was like, that hurts. Stop it. And, uh, they were all like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, uh, so, but now I'm pretty much okay. The end. Escape. Like, everything about that ending <laughs> was anticlimactic. You were like, no, listen. You were like, here's the knife coming, coming, coming. Oh, my God. And they did it. And then you were like, and they did it. And I woke up. Oh, my God. I was in pain. And now I'm fine. Well, I got better. Now I'm fine. They like, I'm sure there were doctors who had to help to check me out and be like, oh, you're okay. I mean, you know, but now I'm okay. I just, like, the buildup was so incredibly big. And then it was like, the end. Is that is that how the story actually ended? Or was that your, like, I'm scapey, so I'm just telling a weird story? No, that's how the end. It's okay at the end. That's just how it is, okay? He's, I'm, I, in the story, all right, not in real life, couldn't move and then a lot of stuff, stuff, stuff. And then he could and uh, then it's okay. Okay, so I remember from the last ones, you have, a, like, a scary moral. So what's this one? Oh, well, this time, I think the scary moral is you might get buried alive. I, I guess I'd pretty much agree with that. I, I I mean, it is, isn't it? You're looking all weird. Me? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's, yeah. No, go ahead. I sure, that's good. I mean, I was also thinking there was kind of a, like a commentary on society, too, with the, the robbing of the graves and the illegal selling of dead bodies and um the medical facility not checking to make sure you're dead. That was, that was weird. Well, just things happen, because you know, it's uh, doctors. I guess they, they could make a mistake and bury you alive. No, I, I don't think they're the ones. Well, I guess they would have originally decided if you were dead first. So that was a mistake. But then when they get a dead body, too, to dissect, you'd think they'd make sure. Well, no, because it's just like, it's dead. What are the odds that someone's going to sell you a riven body? Apparently pretty good, you just said. You just said the moral was, you might get buried alive. Yeah, but, uh, yes, you might get buried alive and stay there and worms would eat you. The fact that I was saved by grave robbers is a big coincidence. Don't rely on grave robbers to save you. I'm, okay. So there are two morals. One is, this might happen to you. And the other one is, this part of the story probably won't happen to you. That's not a moral. That's just like, I'm just saying that part. The part you're supposed to learn, the lesson you learn is, uh, be careful, you might get buried alive. Okay? And, uh, the rest of it is also just, it's just what happened. Okay. Well, um, I think, Scapey, I would give you an A for effort, uh, you know, A minus on performance. No, you don't get to grade my story. This is not grade show. This is scary. You are scared. Well, I thought everything with you was a grade, like a quiz. This is not a quiz. This is, I just scared you, okay? Ah! So, that's what it is. Good, good. Okay, um, I guess that's about it. Thank you for coming and listening to this story, Lynn. Thank you for having me. It was, um, terrifying, and I'm gonna go have nightmares. Well, be careful, be careful. And we'll be back next week, probably, I think, with another story, more than likely. Escape, did you want to see us out? Yes, I do. Next week, I will find a story that will scare you so much, you will run away. <laughs> see you then. <laughs> 
One, two, three, not it. <laughs> I get to be the, the guy now. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Rory, what did you think of my story this time? Was it super scary or what? Uh, yes, it was. Uh, it was one of those. No, it was good. And I'm, again, I'm glad that Lynn was on it because uh, that sounds like a good idea for her to be the audience member for it. Well, you could come back sometime too, though. If, if we have another one, you could be on it. So that way it could be you again. Well, um, yes, no, it could. But yes, um, all right. I will. I'm sure. I'm sure I will because, you know, you won't be able to get a guest every time. But, uh, uh, you know, yes. Well, that was a good, I think particularly, that was a good story because it was about, it was another one of those eye stories, which sometimes everybody gets confused by them because it's like, we're escaping, you're a cat. But at the same time, I feel like those are a little more scarier because it's like, oh, it's happening to somebody I know. Whoa, that's scary. <laughs> so I think it, I think it worked out very well because it was like, imagine if somebody you know was like buried alive and then came back, <laughs> but they were okay. But it would be like, whoa, that's wow. Uh, it certainly would. Uh, it certainly would, especially in this day and age. I think that there was a story that was set a while back in time, of course, and so the things made sense if you take it as as a world where you know you, you, you're not as good at, at testing whether people are alive or not, and you have long wakes, things like that. Um, you know, it, it didn't really it didn't really ring true in in the current reality. Well, so nothing. No, it's, I'm just saying. So it's probably. I, I didn't want to say less scary, but it's not less scary. It's not because it's it's really scary. Dad, tell him. Well, he can't he can't tell you because he's not supposed to talk. So, but uh, no, I'm just saying. I think it's a little. It loses a bit of its potency when you, when he realized that. Oh, in order for that to affect me, in order for the dead, in order for me to be buried alive, I'd have to go back in time somehow, or perhaps society would have to break down to a level that they would not have the technology that they have today. Perhaps you're wrong. So whatever. I'm gonna. Here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna win the argument by saying officially you're wrong. Oh no, it's time for like murder. <laughs> that's what Dad does. <laughs> so that's what I'm gonna do. It's time for like murder. <laughs> it's the last episode of. Of this show Dad said and he he wrote it. Uh, I'm not in it, but it's probably okay. It has it has Rin in it. She was in the, the show with me just now, but she's gonna be in this too. So hopefully everybody will enjoy it, says Dad. No way. Mother, episode 11, Say Goodbye, by Jordan D. White. Hope Darling let her mother's dead body drop out of her hands and onto the ground, blood still surging from the chest wound that had taken Esperanza Deer's life. Her eyes, once so vibrant, so cutting, did not move to follow Hope as she picked up her drowsy daughter Pandora and put her into the passenger seat of the car. Hope barely noticed as Jason Brandt ushered Bobby Kurtzman and Tabby Wentworth into the back seat. Her eyes were still locked on her mother's. All traces of humanity missing from both pairs, albeit for different reasons. 
Goodbye, Mother. Buckle up, kids. This may be dangerous. Esperanza Deer had always been something of a mystery to Hope. As a child, she thought she'd known her mother. Pythos, Massachusetts was much like Carousel, New York in the quality of lifestyle it provided its young. Hope grew up with a loving, tender mother, and it wasn't until her 18th birthday that she learnt what lay beneath the surface. Congratulations, Eggplant. You made it. I'm so proud of you. Let me get some disinfectant for those cats. Mother, why... Why did you make me... I told you, Eggplant. The instructions were right there in the comic book you showed me. The razor blades, the dog, everything. I had to follow the orders, but you did exactly right. Take out the dog first, then head back into the blades with time on your side. Amazing. Even I didn't expect you to make such short work of Scruffy. He was my dog, Mother. I know, and you didn't even hesitate. That's what was so impressive. Of course, he was a rather small dog. Next time I'll have to... Next time? What? Oh, yes, Eggplant, I told you. This is the beginning of your training. There's so much to do. Oh, God, why? Why are you doing this to me? Shh, shh, dear. It's all right. Here, come to Mother. There you are. Don't you worry about a thing. Mother isn't going to let anything hurt you, I promise. That's why I need to train you. So you're ready. Once they rise, Eggplant, once they make their move, it'll be too late. But you, Eggplant, you're special. You're going to be Mommy's secret weapon. Because you can see them, can't you, dear? You can see who's been touched. I I don't know. I don't know what I see. That's why I have to teach you, baby. Don't worry. It's going to get easier. You're a strong girl. You can take it. Just one more thing for today. Then you can rest. Hold still, Eggplant. Wait, what? What are you doing? It's a tracking device, dear. It'll hurt going in. But once it heals up, you'll barely even notice it. What? No, Mother, stop! If you don't keep still, Eggplant, you're just going to make the incision jagged. Now here we go. One, two... Not now, Potato. Mommy's focusing. But Mom! When she's driving that fast, Pandy, I think she's better off concentrating. Your mother has gone completely insane! At this speed, there's no way the alien tractor beams can get a hold of us. Good thinking, Mom! Okay, never mind. Your mom's a little eccentric. This guy's completely insane. But where are we going? Emil Antimahuzit could be anywhere. Not just anywhere. He's with cask agents, and I'm going to find them. How will you do that? I told you, Pandora. I can see them. And there they are, right there. Brace for impact. What? We're going to die! Hope slammed down the gas pedal and rocketed towards the limousine President Emil Anantana Rayanan had been secreted away within. Hope's car smashed into the left-hand side of the vehicle towards the back, causing the rear of the limo to spin out into the breakdown lane. Before the two vehicles had even stopped moving, Hope had her guns in hand and was ready to move. You're really something. You know that, Hope? Truly something else. George, you're making me blush. No, you've got to go. My mother will be back any minute, and you know how she feels about you. You're 21 years old, Hope. That woman can't control your life forever. As long as I live under her roof. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. We've known each other for about a year now, and we've been dating almost as long. George. Just hear me out. I know my apartment's not that big, but once I make manager at the store, I'll be getting a raise. That combined with your waitressing, we get a decent place. All our own. I can't leave yet, George. I haven't finished. I just can't go. Haven't finished what? Learning... 
just learning everything my mother can teach me. I'm not asking you to leave the country, baby. You'll still see your mother. She'll be so mad. Forget her. This isn't about her. This is about you. It's about us. It's about us forever. George, what are you doing? Hope springs, eternal dear. Oh, my lord, is that... Will you marry me? I... I... Yes. Yes, George Aaron, darling, I will. You will? You will! She's going to get herself killed. She's going to get us killed. She's going to get us awesome. Jason, that that doesn't mean anything. I know, but she's awesome. The shooting stopped. Does that mean no. she's... No, there she is. She's okay. What's she... Oh my God, what's she doing to that body? She must be looking for the chip. I'm going to be sick. It's all right, Bobby. I've got you. Tabby! Hey, I think Mom wants us to go with her. The four got out of the wrecked car and walked to Hope, who was cupping something in her blood-soaked hands. Hold these, Potato. She dumped the five bloody metal trinkets into Pandora's hands and pulled out her gun, aiming it at the nearest car, slowing to look at the wreckage. Get out of the car, now! A minute or two later, they were cruising down the road in a freshly stolen car. Mrs. Darling, um, did you just... Did you just assassinate President Emil and Antanna Rayanen? So to speak. And these... these are really... The implants. I told you I wasn't crazy. Alien implants! Not alien, Jason. Made right here in the U.S. of A. by our friends at Cask to record everything their agents see and hear. But then why didn't the Jehovah's Witness have one? I'm not sure. Maybe... maybe they know about me? No, I can see them. Made sure to send one without anything to connect him to Cask. But how could they have found out? Every one of them I've ever gone up against is dead. But you didn't know Annette was one of them. You saw her without seeing she was cast. How did that happen? I'm not... not sure. Which ones are part of it, Hope? Seed 4A and 16D. Both cask. Perfect. One in each of our sections. Nothing to link their deaths when cask reviews the ships. Exactly. I'd say you can go for the heart attack on 4A, and I'll slow-release heroin overdose 16D. Sound good? Perfect. So the only question is, who gets to wait on Mr. Ford and his senior operative? I would say. Uh-uh. Only in terms of years. I've got a far higher kill count and success rate. You're married. What do you care? How about this? I'll do drink service, you do meal. Is that fair? You want drink service? Of course. That way, I'm the first thing he's looking at as he drinks. You know, he's married too. A, I hear it's not working out, and B, I'm not looking for a lifetime commitment here. The man's a movie star. You think he's above the occasional side dish. And you're just the dish to tempt him? Exactly. Just make sure you don't give him the heart attack. Relax, the man's not even 60 yet. No, I meant the pill. The one for 4A? Oh yeah, check. Got it. Shall we? Break. I mean... How could Annette have fooled you when you can see agents? I don't know. There are two possibilities, I suppose. The first is that Cask really does know about me and has found a way to hide their agents from me. What's the other possibility? That Annette wasn't working for Cass. Hey guys, can I see the alien implants? I've always wanted to touch the proof with my own two hands. Jason, I've told you there's no such thing as aliens. These implants have Cask written all over them. Oh wow, that I'd like to see! No, I think she meant metaphorically. There's no actual writing on them. That would sort of... Give them away. Aw, oh, come on. Let me see. All right, all right. Neither explanation really makes sense. I know Annette. She wouldn't just sell out to Cask. But that was definitely her, not an imposter. So why was she after us? Ugh, these are nasty. Unless... Hmm, let me think. Bobby? Huh? We've sort of been kidnapped by a crazy woman, so... I wanted to say something before I die in a horrible way. What's up, Tabby? Would you... Would you go to homecoming with me? Homecoming? What? What about it? Well, the homecoming is still a month away, Tabby, so I, um, I think it's a little early to make solid plans for that, don't you think? Five of these little things. Bitchin'! 
Was that all there were? What? Oh, yes. Four agents and the president. Hmm. But why are you talking about a homecoming, Bobby? What? Oh, nothing. Um, nothing. Er, actually, I was wondering Wait, if- there is... What if Annette wasn't Cask, but Cask does know about me? That means maybe they do have a way to block my sight, and there's another Cask agent out there that I don't know about. But how could they know about my sight? As far as I know, I'm the only person who has it, and the only people who knew about it were you, Annette- Mother. Pull the car over. What? He's He's got a gun, Mrs. Darling. Jason? Pull the goddamn car over or your daughter dies right now. What's going on? All right, I'm doing it, okay? We're pulled over. Now give me the keys. Fine, here. Just don't hurt her. She's not the one you should be worried about. Cask sends its regards. Goodbye, Hope. As he stepped out of the car, Jason Brandt fired one shot into Hope's head. Mother! No, Mother! As another car pulled over and picked Brandt up on the side of the road, Pandora Darling clutched at her mother's head, attempting to hold back the gushing flow of blood coursing from the gaping wound. But all for naught. It was too late. Hope was gone. Left without a mother to fend for herself, Pandora Darling's tale will continue next season. In Like Daughter. In that episode of Like Mother, the narrator was Charles Berman, Pandora Darling was Guinevere Eckert, Hope Darling was Lynn Nelson, Tabby was Ava Rosenblatt, Bobby Kurtzman was Jordan D. White, Annette was Tongwen Wong, George Darling was Patrick Ganan, Jason Brandt was Elijah Weberham, and Esperanza Dia was Angela Tymon. The theme song was by Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Rory. And now this time, nobody has to be not it. Not it. No, I said nobody has to be not it. We all can stick around for audience. Uh, I'm sorry, listener mail, listener mail. Escape, do you want to sing us a little song for listener mail? Hope Darwin died. Hope Darwin died. It's so sad. I hope she's dead. Buried alive. Buried alive. Cause it's scary. Be buried alive. Did you know? Did you know? That it's scary. 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 Being buried. Buried alive. Oh, it's scary. Hope Darwin. Oh, I hope Hope Darwin is not alive. When you bury Hope Darwin. That was... <laughs> Fun. I hope uh, that was a kind of a mixed message. She's she's died. Hope she's not alive. It's a, it's a weird. Usually you'd say I wish that she was alive. Yeah, but she would, then she would be buried alive. That's not. I did a whole show about. That's not good. You did. That's effectively true and functionally true. Um, we do have a piece of listener mail. Listener mail. I, well, technically, I don't even know if this really. It went to our listener mail address. I don't know if this person listens to the show, but it came to our listener mail address, and it is uh, addressed to Mr. Rory Sinjin. So I will read it to you, Rory. Dear Mr. Saint John of Sinjin, Sinjin. I, when I see it written, it always confuses me. Dear Mr. Sinjin, it is my pleasure to offer you a position at the Brooklyn Institute for Extra Historical Studies. A recent change in funding has opened up new opportunities for our institution, and in light of your service, both to the BIEHS and the field of extra history in general, we immediately thought of you. We look forward to your acceptance of the Frank Allen Fellowship for Extra Historical Studies by British ex-convicts and the extremely lucrative endowment that the position includes. We eagerly await your reply. Sincerely, Branson Threnody, Vice President of Operations, Brooklyn Institute for Extra Historical 
studies. So that's very strange because that's the Brooklyn Institute offering you a position funded by Frank Allen. Do you have any idea why he would do that? And of course, the first question is, are you going to take it? Am I going to take it? Of course, I, I will take it. Yes, I, 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 I would. Why would he do that? I, do, I really don't understand. What, is, what does it say that's called? Let me, let me see that. The, the Frank Allen Fellowship. Now, now, what, now, this is interesting. It depends on the, the actual details of it because it says it's called the Frank Allen Fellowship for Extra Historical Studies by British Ex-Convicts. I'm not, I'm not a British ex-convict. I'm an American ex-convict. Well, you're British. Well, I'm not British. I, I, I'm of British descent, of course, but I, I am an American citizen, as, and I have been for some time. I, I'm not actually British, so as long as that's not a problem, I, I would be happy to take the position, of course, of course, uh, and, and with, a, with a new grant and everything. It would be wonderful. It would be wonderful. But um, but why would... I didn't... I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm a little skeptical, but Frank Allen, why would he give it to me? I don't know. I don't... Well, you'll have to keep us posted on it. Um, unfortunately, that was the only piece of listener mail that we got, so please write in to us. Our email here is castinwax at gmail.com, castinwax, one word, at gmail.com. Next week, let me tell you right now, next week, we're not going to have a full-length show. We're going to have a kind of shortened show uh, with maybe some special things on it. I'll try to figure something out. And the week after that, I'm just taking the week off because of the holiday season. It's going to be crazy. So, in other words, on the 20th, we will have a bit of a Christmas special shortened with, uh, you know, various little things in it. And then uh, we're skipping the 27th, but we'll be back on January 3rd with a full-length regular show. Everybody, hope you enjoyed it. Thank you guys for helping out with doing a a quicker show. No problem. It's my pleasure. Yes, no problem. And uh, we will all be seeing you. All you atheists This side can heal your disillusion Add it to your list Bookmark your way to absolution Watch the counter rise One more to join our congregation Once they realize this website holds their soul salvation We're absolved of sin The moment that we type that address in Onlywaxwork.com Has seen red and serious Onlywaxwork.com Has got naughty bits Onlywaxwork.com Won't let Satan near us Onlywaxwork.com Keeps us from his bits Onlywaxwork.com has got all these stories. Onlywaxwork.com is where they are stored. Onlywaxwork.com can lead us to glory. Onlywaxwork.com is Jesus alone. Onlywaxwork.com is Jesus alone.